What's up, everybody? Adam here. Laptop Smack Talk. The boys are back. The gang is back. It's been a couple days. <laughs> Usually, it's been like a month or two when we get our stuff going. But, you know, now that we're all at home, we're all confined to within our homes, we're able to, you know, get some work, get some work done with our podcast. So, welcome. Thank you guys for joining us today. Big day today. Big day for BTST. But first, got to introduce my team, my crew, my brothers. We got Charlie in the house. As you can see, he's in the outdoors. Who knows what he's doing out there. We got Coach Bruce Jackson in the house. I'm on my yacht. A real nonchalant young fellow. And then we got Mr. Sano in the house. All right. Uh, guys aren't uh, much with words this uh, this afternoon. So, anyways, our special <laughs> guest, our special guest, are actually our first NBA player on the pod, and hopefully this is the first of many more to come. We got Nathan Hale's on. I mean, because Charlie, Bruce, and Sandal all went to Hale, they'll claim him. We got Jonte Porter of the Memphis Grizzlies. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to get going. Oh man, thank you, thank you, man. We appreciate it. Uh, First things first, man, how, how's everything in in life? Uh, you're in Missouri, right? Nah, so my whole family's in Missouri. Since I'm oh, still okay. recovering from my knee, I got uh, like a medical exemption thing. So I'm, I'm in Memphis right now. I'm still going to the gym every day. Oh, wow. So, oh, okay. It's one of the few players in the league that still get to. So it's been a blessing in disguise for me, this whole thing. Dope, dope. So what's – so you're in Memphis. Um, what is a whole day – you know, are you by yourself? Do you are you do you have anybody out there with you, or are you by yourself? No, nah, man, it's just me. And I signed wow. like three days before it got That's shut down, so I haven't really met anybody. Uh, I had like two team practices before, you know, everything got shut down. So I'm I'm not really close with the guys yet, but we get on these weekly Zoom calls, which has been great. But yeah, so a day in the life for me, um, it's really it's really relaxed, just because there's not too many people at the gym, not too many staff, so. I'll wake up in the morning around 8.30. I have rehab at 9.30. Um, and I live like half a mile from the arena, so I just walk there every day. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, walk there every day, get my rehab in. Um, right now, it's mostly just motor control because it's been over a year now since I got hurt. So it's just right. like trying to activate muscles around the joint to, you know, serve as support so that another re-injury doesn't happen. Right. So yeah, I get my rehab. Then I do a weight session. Um and that, that takes about an hour. We're doing a lot of lower body stuff. Often, and then we do conditioning afterwards. Um, and then I'm on the court for another hour. So I'm there for a good chunk of the morning into the afternoon. Uh, and each day looks a little bit different, but that's kind of the set schedule. And then, I mean, the afternoons are just whatever I want to do. I try to do something productive uh, every day because you can get – Easily caught up in a Netflix series or whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> right. Something productive every day. Right. Okay. Um. So, what's the uh, when you when you go outside? Right before we start asking you questions about yourself, when you go outside in Memphis, what's it look like? Are are there a lot of people like doing their everyday life, or are people more? Oh, here's my daughter, Jante. Say hi, Layla. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh, okay. Hold on, baby. Hold on. Uh, that's my daughter, everybody. Last of Layla. Um. So, is everybody like? Are people out there just like? Are they social distancing? Are they 
do they have like masks on or how does it look? Because we're like three of us are in Seattle where it's like, it's, it's like ghost town for a while. It was like a ghost town and you know, everywhere you go, you have to wear a mask. Uh, it's similar. Bruce is in um, like the Bay area. So he's kind of said the same thing out there. What's it like in Memphis? I mean, it's pretty similar to what you had to say. I think early on, especially it was really ghost town just because the fear was in everybody. But mm -hmm. Over the last couple of weeks, I've seen it get a little more relaxed. The stores still aren't open, but, you know, I see people walking around uh, a little more. There's more traffic on the streets, even though everybody's wearing masks and gloves, taking the precautions. But I think everyone is getting a little more relaxed. I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing. I don't know. But hopefully we can all get back to, you know, normal way of life sooner rather than later. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. I was going to say, I know you're new to the team, but when you walk the streets, are any diehard Grizzly fans recognizing you yet? Yeah, I mean, there's been a few, like, the really know. diehard ones, because I haven't played a game yeah. yet, so they really have no reason to. But um, every, pretty much every day I walk, because I walk every day, they always ask me if I play basketball. I'm like, yeah, they're like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, what? I didn't know you played for the Grizzlies. So <laughs> right. hopefully it changes once I get a few games under my belt. But for now, I'm kind of just a tall guy that walks the streets. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, so first things first, we want to get to know Jonte the person. I mean, we know you play basketball, you're in the league, you, you had a nice uh, nice season in college, uh, had a historic season at Nathan Hale, but first we want to get to know Jonte the man. So our guys, we're all going to ask you a bunch of questions. So we're going to start off with Sano, you know, about the little get to know you about Jonte. Yeah, um, I think we start off, maybe when you were younger, I know you grew up in a big family. Uh, a lot of a lot of athletes, your parents too. Um, were you always was basketball always the focus growing up, like as a sport, or did you guys play football, baseball, soccer? Uh, maybe talk about growing up um, with a bunch of competitive siblings and parents, and kind of kind of the other sports you guys played. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Just a competitive household we had. Um, there's eight kids, each one pretty close in age overall. So we we all kind of. Grew up playing against each other. We were all homeschooled up until high school. So it was just a zoo at all times. To touch on the sports, um, we all played, like, pretty much every sport in the book. My mom would just send us to camp. They both played basketball, both my parents. So that was probably the main focus. But we tried out every sport. Like, I played football, baseball, um, basketball. I went to a tennis camp. I, I tried soccer. Oh, wow. Well, look at them. The karate and stuff. So <laughs> I was doing it all just uh, – because that was really our main way of socializing with other kids. Um, because, I mean, a lot of homeschoolers, they can just be too isolated and grow up. It's kind of a stereotype these days, like homeschoolers are weird. But right. um, that was our way of socializing and, you know, getting comfortable being around other people, not just our family relatives. So we played all types of different sports. But basketball, I'd say, is, I mean, obviously the one we all attach to moving right. forward. But um, that was also the focus from a young age. Were you guys like uh... – because I know, because I have a younger brother and we're pretty close in age too. And we were like far enough where we'd play against each other rather than on the same team, like in the same rec leagues kind of. Right. So was it kind of similar for you guys? Were you guys like maybe you and Michael, I know you guys are close in age. Were you guys on the same team, played against each other? Like how was the kind of dynamic there growing up? I don't think I've ever played against one of my siblings. It was always like with them. Mm. Um, I was always the one playing up with Michael. Um, with he coached like a you know the YMCA not the YMCA the Upward League, um, and we like all played together. It was like me, my older sister Sierra, Michael, and Coben. Like we were 
like six years apart, but we all played on the same team. My dad was coaching just a few of our buddies. I mean, that's like a starting five right there. So uh, we never played against each other besides in the backyard. Did you, uh, could you, could you beat him one-on-one? Who, Mike? Yeah. Man, not for the longest. That's why my, like, self-confidence in basketball, I always thought I kind of sucked just because I get beat up on Mike all the time. But uh, he's always been a star from a young age. I kind of was a late bloomer. So, but he's definitely one of the guys that helped me get the confidence and become who I am today, I think. Well, before, yeah, I wanted to ask, yeah, we, we know your parents uh, were hoopers. We know the stories about your dad, but we've heard your mom was the, was the real hooper, right? Facts, yeah, no, she she really was. Um, they're they're yeah, like by, 70, 60 yeah. or 70 in a game or something like that. She like averaged 50 or 60, it was one of the two, but it was like unreal. I know the the rules were a little bit different back then, but I mean, still, they weren't playing 20 minute quarters, so right, she right. her move, just catch it. She shoots way up here and she's six four. It's tall today compared to back yeah. then, it was just ultra tall. So just catching the post, turn around, shoot, they gave it to her every time. I think she shot like 30 times a game. It was wild. But she holds like every record in Iowa for sure. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, cause I'm, I remember we were hearing the rumors, you know, since we're on with the Nathan Hale. And, and we, when we were at Nathan Hale, we weren't that good. But, uh, I mean, we were, we were decent. That was when the last time – and that was like 15 years ago. That was when the last time Hale was even like halfway decent. And then we're hearing the rumors that you guys might be coming and your dad was going to be coaching with Romar. And we're like, oh, man, this is crazy. Um, yeah. When that was all happening, what did, what did you know about Seattle before you got here? Not much. I mean, I was already committed to Washington before then. I mean, yeah, really you was, yep. Just because of Romar. Like, that was the only yeah. reason I was going to Washington. I, I think we visited out there once, just, you know, hanging out with him. But besides that, all I knew was Seattle was beautiful in the summertime. That's the only time I was there. Uh, and that the campus was great and the team was really cool. So, uh, not much, no. We didn't really – we never visited Nathan Hale before going there. We visited Seattle Prep um, – shoot, one of the schools. They wanted us to go to Rainier Beach, but we didn't want to live oh, up yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. Then my mom and dad found a house, you know, right by the riverfront, and they are just like, Nathan Hale is the closest school. Y'all can go to Seattle Prep or Nathan Hale. We were like, Man, let's just do Nathan Hale. We don't want to drive that far. So right, right. That was the move. Oh, yeah. We're, we're all pretty much from Lake City. So, I mean, you know, yeah. it shook up Lake City. It was – that was a big deal, man. Well, Bruce is from Ballard, but he went to – Ballard, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so since you guys were homeschooled, did you, I mean, you guys, you guys never really enrolled in school at Hale. Never went to any classes or – So, that's a, that's a weird thing. We went to school for, like, the first week. Um, okay. Then we found out that you could play sports while being homeschooled. And mm. we were like, we – because we weren't used to being at school from, you know, 8 to 3 or whatever. That's just a yep. long chunk of the day. <laughs> at the gym or whatnot. So we went back to homeschool. It was way better. We just knocked out our school real early. we go to the UW weight room, get our workout in with Coach Shapiro at the time. Oh, and that's then, my guy. Daniel's my guy. Great dude. Yeah, um, sippy. We'd hit the gym and then get ready for practice that night. So the days were just much better and – more tailored for our lifestyle uh being right. i think it wasn't just us being lazy or nothing but uh you know the, the days were just long when you go to public school for sure oh it makes sense you, you keep working on that jay keep yeah, working on that stroke for sure um now i remember hearing that michael was now were, were you and are you still vegan 
Yeah, I around the house I'm vegan. Um, we have these chefs at the gym that cook for us all the time, so they bring me meals. They bring me lunch and dinner each day. I just have to worry about breakfast. So around the house, I don't really carry anything. Uh, if I'm going out with friends, whatever, I don't mind getting a bowl of ice cream. It's not like that that uh, strict, but. I really am vegan, I'd say, and I've tried meat a few times, but I just don't, I don't like the taste, man. The okay. texture's weird. I've just been enough. vegetarian my whole life, so it's mm-hmm. hard to get out of that once you're so used to it, but I'm, I, sure. I'm, I'm really doing my research right now. I'm trying to figure out what's best for me, um, what's best for my longevity, because I want to play as long as I can, want to be as right. healthy as I can. If that means eating meat, then by all means, I'll, I'll be happy to switch to that, but for now, I'm, I'm good with my, my little vegan niche. So when you was in Seattle, you never had a, a Dick's cheeseburger, huh? Never. I've never had a cheeseburger in my life. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. That's probably good. I mean, you see Chris Paul this year. I think he went to that vegan diet, and he had a he had a great year. He did. Oh. Yeah, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, him and I think Kyrie. Those are two guys I know for, are vegan. I I think there are a few others, but those are the two guys. Well, other than you and your brother, like those are the two other guys that I know of that for sure went to vegan. Yeah. So I got one more. I got one more for you. So when you came to Seattle, well, I guess you could apply this to maybe some guys in Missouri or in Seattle. Was there any local hoopers that you know kind of helped you out and, and uh, you know kind of showed you the way, took you under their wing? Uh, in Seattle, you mean? Yeah, Seattle or Missouri, either way. Yeah, there was a couple Mizzou dudes. Um, we were there that we always looked up to, like Kim English, Marcus Dem, and Lawrence Bowers. They were the dudes at the time at Mizzou that we really looked up to. We go to every game. Um, mm-hmm. you know that's how it is for little hoopers seeing college dudes so that was it in missouri in uh seattle the, the, they're also cool to us we were kind of older at that point in high school so yeah markel Dejounte, marquise all them um we we talk on the regular be in the gym shooting with them so they're awesome. really great dudes and uh, i mean you see what most of them are doing today in the league so uh, did you so, ever did you ever get to know like scott thugs he, he was Missouri State Player of the Year who came to UW with Romar. What was his name? His name was Scott Suggs. He was probably like how, – how old is Suggs he, now? About 30? Yeah, he's probably yeah. – I think he was like 2008, wasn't he? 2009, something like that. Nine, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't – I haven't heard of him, but I'm not very great okay. with basketball history. <laughs> okay. Well, good, man. Well, I mean uh, – you know, besides that basketball history, how are you on that, that shoe game, man, that shoe history? What's, what's, uh, do you got a favorite, you know, sneaker, favorite hoop shoe that you like over the years or what? Or are you like rocking or just playing in? I'm not going to lie. My off-court swag is atrocious. Like, I don't got, <laughs> I have no type of swag off the court. But uh, <laughs> I'm hooping. I'm, I'm a Puma guy now. I sign with Puma. But, oh, that's what's up. Oh. Good yeah, good which is cool. But uh, before that, it was definitely Kobe's. Those were the most comfy to me. Um, and you know, KD's were too narrow. LeBron's were too bulky for me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I said, besides besides the Kobe's, I didn't have much in the closet at all. Okay, okay. No, but hey, it's about it's about functionality. What what works best? You know, I'm a penny guy. You know, as far as uh, swag goes. But I remember, geez, I was rocking some uh, Ben Bakers. Those were comfortable for me. Playing. They ain't the most, they ain't the, they ain't the most look, best looking shoe, but they were comfortable back in the day. Um, all right, man. But uh, being in Seattle, 
uh, you know, and even, you know, for your little, you know, a little bit of a period of time, you know, our fan base is always, you know, we got a lot of Seattle uh, followers. Did you have like, uh, Seattle is obviously very hip to like even the, uh, you know, vegan cuisine. I don't know if you just ate at home, uh, vegetarian or vegan. Did you ever have a chance to check out any, any vegan restaurants or spots, or did you have a favorite place to go to in, in Seattle? I'm trying to remember the name of it, but it was in the U village. Uh, it was like veggie something. Veggie, veggie grill. grill. Veggie grill. Veggie grill. That veggie place grill. is fire. Yeah. Yeah. So there is like a family probably like once a week. Okay. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah, no, that... too much, though. I okay. was a big Chipotle guy. Like, me and Mike, we still live off Chipotle, but Chipotle <laughs> or Veggie Grill at that point. No, I, I, def I do know a Veggie, veggie Grill is definitely, definitely fire down there. Um, yeah, man, you know, being at Hill, it's too bad you didn't get to check out Tubbs. Tubbs are, are obviously, as Charlie alluded, Dick's is right. That's kind of a regular stalemate for those living kind of by, by Hale and stuff. Um, out when I visit. Yep. And then, uh, I mean, Tubbs, you can go, it's a sandwich place. So you could probably get a veggie, just a straight veggie sandwich there. Uh, they can make for you. Um, and what about, uh, as far as like, besides hoop, you know, what things, you know, what hobbies or interests do you have, you know, you're more than obviously just a basketball player. What are, what are some of the things that, you know, you like to do? I mean, my whole life, I've liked to play video games. That's a big thing. I mean, a lot of hoopers are starting to get into that. Um, but then once I got hurt, I wanted to learn a skill. Uh, I started doing piano. I, I really liked it, but then I moved to Denver with Mike, and I, I kind of just fell off. But then I started learning, like, I just got into the stock market because I was still getting my school stipend. Oh. Oh, I still got my school stipend, and I wanted to just invest in and see what I could do because I don't really have any expenses at that point. So I might as well, while I'm young, try to learn how to manage my money. Um, oh. So I got really that, and I still am. I'm, I'm doing stock options pretty much every day. Uh, day oh, man. Trading, all that. It's, it's probably like my biggest hobby right now. Uh, I like, feel you, man. We must be we, we kin kindred spirits uh, <laughs> there because <laughs> I've been into stocks really a lot in the last uh, half a year, year. Yeah. Um, so a ton. And then I've been getting into video games more. I think a lot of people just with uh, being in shelter and play. So what's, what's your favorite game? Oh, uh, shoot. I'm a big Nintendo guy. So I've been playing like Super Smash Bros. and Mario Kart. Oh, I was okay. on Fortnite for a while. But uh, in Call of Duty, man, that's just not my stuff. I'm not very good at it. So I can oh, stay away from the first person shooters. Oh, God. Any, 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 dra any dra uh, stock tips you want to give us? Any, any company we look out for? Dude, <laughs> I wouldn't touch anything right now. I think economic <laughs> impact of this virus, man. It's going to be rough. Okay. All right. <laughs> so now we're gonna uh, we're gonna transition and start talk about your your career thus far. And uh, first, we'll talk about uh, you know we'll have Charlie and Sano talk about Missouri basketball. Or yeah, your first couple years in Missouri and then Seattle. So. Um, maybe talk about. I think you guys won state championship. So your sophomore year, and yeah. then uh, when you came up to Seattle at Hale, obviously when you guys won it your your junior year. So maybe kind of talk about the differences in those two titles had them you know so close together maybe some of the competition you faced in Missouri versus some of the competition you faced in Seattle I don't know if you can say one's tougher than the other but yeah. uh, maybe kind of just go through those experiences yeah I mean they were completely different and both unique uh in their own ways and how they like impacted me you know the the weight of a championship but the first one always means just a ton so we 
we weren't like Nathan Hale. I think it was pretty unanimous that we were favorites to win just because of our regular season. But it told him, man, we we had Mike, but uh, and we lost a few games in the regular season. It wasn't like a clear landslide. We were going to probably win. So uh, it went down to the wire in the state championship. Me and Michael both fouled out. It was a tie oh, game. Wow. Damn. Left. And it, we're like, if it goes to overtime, we're going to lose because, I mean, me and Mike were both out. So luckily the dude missed free throw and we ended up pulling it out. And that was just like pure emotion because, you know, it's a tight game to the very right. end. Uh, all right. our family and friends were there. Everybody we grew up with was there watching us. So um, it's definitely a unique feeling. And then Nathan Hale, that was just probably the most fun. Wow. I've had playing basketball ever just because of the Damn. dudes with. Uh, the hype surrounding us, um, just being like the best team, dominating everyone, and the state championship meant so much just because it was like a cap to what a what a historic season, what a great time with everyone. So, but it wasn't the exact same because it wasn't like a close game, two minutes left in the game. It was close at halftime, but then we started blowing them out. So yeah, we were all there. We were all yeah. there. Yeah. We were there. We were at almost every game throughout that season. <laughs> I was. We were there two two. I was watching JV girls, all that. That you had to be, man. That's what made that year so special because everyone wanted to pop out, mostly to see my brother, but also just to see what everyone was talking about. So right. that, that was definitely probably the most fun I've had playing basketball ever. Well, I think that's the only time I, I came to a Hale game and saw a line out the door. <laughs> First time. I mean, me, me First time Santa I ever saw that. Me and Santa were undefeated on JV, you know, so we kind of did it first. <laughs> <laughs> but – uh <laughs> Um, no, I mean, you know, there was always those talks of like, man, Mike's good, but Dante's sneaky good. He might, you know, he got that Jimmy, man. He could be, he could be better. You know, there, there, there was always those, every you leave the game and it's like, well, Dante only had eight shots, but he had 20, you know, yeah. but, yeah. um, uh, along with Sano asked, like with the hail stuff, what was it like playing for Brandon? That, that was also what made that year so fun. Just cause Brandon was like one of the, one of the boys, you know, like he, he wasn't the most strict, but he we had such a respect for him uh, that we did what he said. You know, we weren't, like, talking back to him, whatever. That was the perfect group to have a coach like that because we were pretty skilled, but there was, like, no egos on the team, nobody that was stuck up or anything. Everybody was kind of just willing to put in the work. Uh, coach Brandon would make us run for so long before practice, and usually dudes would be complaining and whatnot, but just because of the respect everyone had for him, Everybody did as they were told and kept their mouths shut. So right. he knew how to get the best out of us. Uh, he knew how to have fun and keep it lighthearted. And whenever we were in a tight situation, I think like uh, against Sierra Canyon, that was we were down most of that game. But he wasn't worried at all. He was just like, man, y'all got to stop playing scared. Y'all are better than these dudes. And when he said that, that, that was just like confidence just injected into us. Right. And we went out there and did our thing. So he was never rattled at all. He – he taught us everything in practice that he knew. He'd get out there and hoop with us sometimes. But then oh, really? Because his hip was hurting or something. So uh, that was a rare occurrence. But that was definitely, man, that probably the highlight of that year is just having a dude like Brandon pouring into us, uh, into us high schoolers. Uh, you brought up Sierra Canyon. But to take it back to, like, a Metro level, do you have, like, a favorite matchup? Was there, like, a favorite – I don't know, but I guess, like, kind of like a favorite game you had, like, in season? Um, aside from like the state tournament, yeah, I'm trying to think. You guys what? played against Kevin Porter. KP was nice. KP was he busted us one game and it, that was bad. I think he had like. I think that was at Bellevue. That might have been at Bellevue. Bellevue yeah, yeah, that was at Bellevue. His thing too, but Kevin was put on the show. But uh, we always knew we had Rainier Beach just because they kind of played erratically. But 
Garfield was probably the game that we were always like hyped to do because they would always talk stuff and they thought they were the best. We thought we we were the best. We smacked them at that uh, Portland tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They just come out angry after that. So that was always a game like we get hyped. It was Brandon's alma mater. It was uh, PJ. He went to that school too. It was always like a little yeah. revenge game. So and that game more than others would be packed and loud. So that was definitely the most fun game I've had. I, I don't remember what game I played the best in, but those games would always be like the highlight of our weeks. Well, I think I remember, I think there was a game, wasn't it against Roosevelt? I think where Mike didn't play. And I think you killed, had like 30 something. Uh, uh, yeah, I did kill that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like him. He, he's real mod. He says, I don't remember what, what game I killed. Oh, you had 30 Roosevelt. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was <laughs> yeah, I, I like the thing. Only reason I remember that is because there's a YouTube video that, because uh, I, more often than you think, me and Mike, we, we'd be going back and watching the Nathan Hale videos just for the nostalgia. So yeah, I the, there was a cool little video of that Roosevelt game. Me and PJ were going were going crazy. So that was definitely one of the more fun games. Even though everybody came out to see Mike and they were disappointed when he was on the bench. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, that was uh, just to let you know. We do that sometimes too, as fans, man. That was that was a good year for us, man. <laughs> having having Steve Ballmer and. I mean, every every Seattle Hooper was sneaking up into games that that, yeah, that year, and that was crazy. It was crazy. Um, so, also speaking, like, so after that year, what before you got into college, what what went behind the uh, decision to reclassify? Literally, the only reason probably was to play with Michael, because um, either way, I was going to get a play for my dad. Um, yeah, sisters were at Mizzou for one more year, and that helped the decision as well, just because everybody would be there together one more year. But it's yeah. not like they were going to leave the state afterwards, anyway. So. I think the consensus was Michael was going to be one and done. Uh, nobody knew he was going to get hurt. Obviously, right. play with him, but uh, that was really the main reason is just to get the do something special with him and hopefully kind of recreate what we had going at Nathan Hale. Didn't work out that way, but I'm still pretty thankful that uh, I made that decision and wouldn't change a thing. Right. Okay. Um, so now you know we're gonna transition obviously from high school and now we're going to go into college you know obviously you went to Missouri had a played you had a you played 33 games there you started nine averaged about 10 points and seven rebounds all SEC freshman team and which we didn't realize at the time but you were the sixth man of the year in the SEC which when you think about the SEC that's one of the power conferences and to have a honor like that's pretty I think that's that's pretty cool Anyways, so, well, I mean, alluding to, like, kind of what Charlie just talked about, about you reclassifying, it seemed like you were pretty dead set of reclassifying so you can travel with Michael. You didn't, you didn't really, uh, no matter what, you didn't really care about how it might affect, obviously, your individual uh, class rank. I know, you know, as a junior, you know, you were, I think, probably ranked, uh, you know, a uh, number like a top 10. Um, I think you had 11th, the high as 11th they had on ESPN rankings, but, you know, reclassifying dropped you down a little bit on rivals ESPN, but you, it sounded like you could care less about that, correct? Yeah, for sure. That stuff really don't mean nothing to me. Uh, I don't think it should mean anything to anybody at the end okay. of the day because all, right. uh, all it is is lights and cameras that, I mean, if you're not careful, that can actually be harmful to young players that are in the spotlight. So, uh, I always preferred being kind of in the background, uh, especially with Michael being my brother, not many people knowing who I was. That was always a blessing to me. So, I mean, like you said, I could go <laughs> out, 
you know, being whatever rank. It's always exciting to see where you're at, just to see progress. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but it's not like I was playing for that reason or making decisions, life decisions, based off what people would view me ranking. You know what I mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I mean, and so, you know, kind of alluding back in that is um, – you know, decommitting, obviously, to, to UW, which plenty of, obviously, in this game, we all know a lot of players decommit all the time. That's nothing new. Um, and it was it was pretty much a foregone conclusion when you decommitted to UW that you were, you were going to Mizzou. No, no one else tried to throw their name quickly in the hat, or did you have any, you know, little slight thoughts of any other school? Uh, not really, no. Like you said, it was kind of just consensus, especially once my dad signed there. It was all just right. a deal. But right. a few schools reached out just to, like, ask if that was the case or not. And I kind of shut it down pretty quickly. Like, yeah, I'm just going to go wherever my dad's going. Um, and I'm still thankful I did that. Mizzou had its ups and downs. And obviously, back then, I wished I could have gone to Washington. But uh, <laughs> it worked out the way it did, and I, I'm pretty happy with the results. Awesome, awesome. And then, I mean, going obviously going to Mizzou uh, with your your brother, your your big assist is there already too. And then obviously your dad joining that coaching staff. What did uh, what you like most about playing? You know, for uh, Coach Martin, which we, we obviously as Husky fans are all familiar with him during his time at Cal. Right. Uh, what did you What did you enjoy about playing for him? And then obviously with your dad on a part of that coaching staff as well. The best thing about Coach Martin, I think, is just how real he is with you and uh, doesn't sugarcoat anything. He's not scared to really offend you, and that can put off some players, but I think that was really needed for me as a young dude who uh, the year prior kind of had the world like feet in a way, in a sense, could do really whatever he wanted in high school. Coach, I mean, Coach Brandon was amazing, uh, and like I said, he got the best out of all of us, but at the same time, he's not the type of dude to yell at your face to get back on defense. Like he kind of just is nonchalant about it a little bit. And that's the polar opposite of coach Martin, if you know who he is. So he'd get up in my face. I think once uh, I had a bad shooting night and then he told me in front of the whole team yelled at me and said, I wasn't allowed to shoot threes the rest of the year. Uh, (laughs) 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 He said, I couldn't shoot threes the rest of the year unless I got in the gym for a month straight. Like, made a thousand threes a day or something and i i had to do it uh it was kind of an order but stuff like that <laughs> it can be it can be a confidence killer for some dudes but i think i i grew as a young man during that year uh more than i would have otherwise and i think that's a great quality of coach martin despite on the outside kind of seems like he's just being a jerk but i think he really does care about us as dudes and wants us to grow as men right no and it sounds no it sounds like you it's what you needed and you were accepting of that, of that coaching, you know, obviously being a coach and, you know, being a, a, uh, having a, a father as a coach, you've, you've grown up with that and you kind of know you're, you're a coachable athlete. Um, did, uh, and you, you mentioned you kind of like being in the background and what, and, and coach Martin's seen and know how to push buttons. Did you guys come to a consensus of like me, maybe being the most effective player I could be this first year was to come off the bench. I know you started a couple games, but was that something that he suggested or you suggested or you came together and it seemed like you really bought into that role? I think uh, throughout that year, we had a pretty good year, but throughout the year we had a few like few game loss losing streaks, like three or four game losing streaks. And each time he kind of 
not make threats, but decide to make changes or test different mm-hmm. rotations and whatnot. And at one point, you decided to start me. And I thought I did okay for a few of the games, but for the most part, I didn't do the best. I don't think that had anything to do with whether I was starting or not. It was just that that, that night, uh, time of play. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't play the best, but no, that definitely wasn't my idea. Because okay. I've been used to starting my whole career. Okay. And then, right, for sure. It's not yeah, or embarrassing, but I mean, no. every Hooper wants to start. Um, I mean, unless you're Jamal Crawford, he prefers six man. So, all right, yeah. their own, I guess. But I'm definitely a dude that wants to play right off the bat. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to know how that came about, and you know, with that, you know, playing obviously going traveling the the SEC road, obviously, you know, very t- tough conference. Ped, what was um you know, through those, some of those battles, what was kind of the toughest, I guess, crowd that you, you encountered, you know, during your time at Missouri? And it might not necessarily be an SEC crowd. Maybe it's from Kentucky. a tournament or something. It was Kentucky for sure. I remember that game. Okay. So we got smacked. Um, but I don't know why. I was – I don't even know if it was Kentucky or what, but I was, like, shook that game. Like, I felt like I wasn't even there. It was, like, an out-of-body experience. I was just, like, nervous. Everybody was yelling and stuff. And that was the first time where I was kind of just, like – Dang, I didn't I didn't prepare well for this. Like usually I'm the most nonchalant hooper. Like I don't really get hype before games. I'm kinda of just going in there and hooping. Don't really care about the fans or nothing. Uh-huh. Uh, but for some reason that game I was just like nervous, not shaking or nothing because it was Kentucky. We beat them before that. So it's not like I was scared. Okay. Uh but then we went there and I it was like one of my worst games. I might have had like one or two points and then I was just sad after that. But after that game, I made an effort to prepare better before games, visualization, you know, getting a nap in, eating better, uh, and really just preparing days before the game. Before that before that game, was it kind of hyped up in the locker room that Kentucky was a tough place to play? Or was it kind of just when you walked in, you were like, oh, wow. Like, this is – Yeah, yeah, I feel you. It was. It was hyped up just – I think very – I forget who said what, but um, people were just like, dang, this is, a, this is a tough place to play. It's one of the biggest arenas in the SEC. It's really old. A lot of a lot of fans come out because it's Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, it was it was definitely hyped up in my head, I think, a little bit. And uh, that, that was probably one of my worst performances, but a lot to learn despite, you know, not playing my best. Okay. Um, who, was the, who was the leader of that Kentucky team? Or who the, were the leaders of that team? Shoot, all of them were like dogs. Like they were all yelling in your face. I remember Jay Vando, Jerry Vanderbilt. Oh, he uh, yeah. he was like coming back from his injury, and he was all up in our face. PJ Washington, mm. all, like Quade Green. He's actually at uh, UW now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, no dogs. Yeah, he was there too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they they had a pretty good shake. Gilgis Alexander. They had a pretty good team, but everybody on that team was just uh, you know in your face yelling and doing all those shenanigans. So. I don't know. I guess they had me shook, but I'm definitely learned <laughs> from it since then. Right. And maybe going and going back to Columbia, maybe talk about some of the things off the court that you liked about. I know you guys were from, you know, you're from the area, so you're pretty familiar with it. But um, in comparison to maybe Seattle, if you want, like, were there some things you like to do off the court? Maybe favorite spots to eat, places you like to hang out, things like that. Yeah, Columbia. I'm not gonna lie; it doesn't have much to offer, uh, especially for dudes. Like, me and Michael, we didn't really go out much or anything like that. Uh, we kind of just stuck to our own, played video games, 2K, whatever. So, I mean, there's good places to eat, but really the 
the great thing about Columbia is just a smaller college town. You really know everybody and uh, everybody knows you. So we, we just kick it with our buddies and it was really easy, no traffic. So totally different feel from Seattle where it feels like you got to drive an hour to go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I love Seattle too. I, I always tell people that's my favorite place I've lived, that in Denver. Um, Seattle is so much offer. So many different people, so many different cool places. I love the weather there, uh, despite yeah. rainy flaws. I think it's amazing. So I always say one day I'm going to move back there. But for now, I'm content in Memphis. Maybe hopefully we'll have an NBA team soon someday. Yeah, they need it, for sure. <laughs> um, and then, so, for college basketball in general, was there, like, one aspect of your game that you really noticed compared to high school that you really noticed changed when you got to college? Like, I know a lot of people play, like, say, like, the speed of the game, uh, maybe physical strength, but is there one kind of aspect that kind of stands out to you as far as the biggest difference? I think the biggest difference from high school to college is just me – not being as physical. Uh, I've always been a little bit more finesse big, I think, but in college I kind of relied a little bit too much on my shooting, and that's the biggest thing I tried to change uh, going into year two that I never got to display, but I was trying to be more of an alpha, being able to, you know, handle it on the perimeter, drive by somebody, and just, like, you know, punk little dudes down low. And I think my freshman year I kind of just displayed my unique big man traits, which was shooting, passing, dribbling all that stuff, but there's a lot that was tough for me to capitalize on, just me not only skipping my senior year, but uh, going into that, I didn't have the summer with the rest of the dudes. I just right. kind of in the fall uh, and got right into it. So I don't know if my body wasn't ready or what, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't do as much damage down low as I would have liked, but I, I started to get into my groove a little bit towards the end of the year. I think that's always the case with freshmen, just get more comfortable, like you said, with the speed, the physicality and all that. Okay, and so so that off season you kind of worked on everything, uh, just to try to be more of like an all around, yeah, more everything. physical, just try to do a little bit of everything. Everything. I haven't I haven't gotten to play in front of anybody for like two and a half years, so I'm excited to get oh, back. Oh man, you sure. got to be itching to get back out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then maybe talk a little bit about like your NCAA tournament experience. I know there's a lot of talk now about uh, players having like the G League option compared to going to college, and there's a lot of talk about the college experience. Mm -hmm. um so maybe talk about like your experience specifically with the NCAA tournament and how you uh how you enjoyed it maybe some of the highlights of that yeah that was definitely probably the most fun game I've had in terms of, like the hype up into it and you know the tip off and all that that was one of the games my brother got to play in so that was also just another added factor to it um but I'm I had a similar feeling to that Kentucky game just like nerves just like dang we're mm -hmm. really here this is it we have a chance to do something special. We lost by double digits, unfortunately, but it was an experience I'll never forget. And even though after the game I was crying just from sadness, right. day I was like, dang, that was the coolest feeling ever. So I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, this G League stuff is interesting, though. I don't know. If I had that option, it'd be hard to pass up. But <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a unique oh, experience. We lost Charlie, but I think he's going to come right back in a sec. Mm -hmm. But – um. So, talking freshman year, like I said, we talked about, SEC freshman team, uh, co six man of the year, even though you wanted to be a starter. You know, I feel you. Um, uh, what uh, – what, then you entered the draft. You put your name in the draft without hiring an agent. What was the thought process behind that? Was that just to get feedback or uh, what, what went behind that decision? So, right after the NCAA tournament, 
I was like, I'm dipping. Because I, I probably, if I had stayed in the draft, I was projected from teams, what they were telling me and my agent, I would have been a first-round pick. Oh. Um, and there's really no reason to go back to school and try to up your stock unless you know you're going to be, like, you know, top five. But even then, the second contract's where all the money's made. So it wasn't an economic decision to go back to school. It was more uh, just me – yeah, like I said, right after this tournament ended, I was like, I want to leave. Michael was the one. He's like, I want to stay another year. And I want to do oh, some okay. And huh. I was like, come on, Mike, we got to go. We, we don't we don't want to stay here. And then eventually he was like, all right, all right. And me and him both went into the combine thinking we were leaving. Uh, I was 100% in the draft. And then during the combine, I just got kind of overwhelmed. I was like, man, I, at the, I just turned 18. Uh, I was like, I didn't expect – to be skipping my senior year of high school, let alone be good enough to be one and done. And it all just kind of happened so quick. Um, I don't want to be living on my own. Temptations can come. Yeah. I manage my money. I don't know who to trust, whatever. Right. I was like, just give it another another year, show what I can do, improve on these things, get bigger, stronger, and all that. I'm only 18. Uh, I don't know. I, I just thought it would be a better decision because I'd be more prepared as a man to go back for one year. Right, and it was really intimidating for a young dude and get a lot in trouble. So I didn't want to get caught up in all that. I was like, let me go back for one more year, do my thing, hopefully be you know lottery pick next year, um, do my thing. So that was the whole thought process behind that. It didn't work out, obviously, the way I wanted it to. But I'm still probably – I'm thankful I went back to school. Um, right. Even though I tore my ACL, I might have not if I had stayed in the draft. Uh, I've learned so much since then. I think overall – if it doesn't apply to basketball, I think I learned something for life. So Right, definitely. It's kind of like once they, that game was over, you probably were feeling the emotions. And you're like, man, fuck this. I'm out of here. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm to the league and all this. But yeah. then once, you know, like kind of like what you said, you had to kind of sit back, take a deep breath, and then things just kept happening super fast. And then you kind of realize, like, Maybe I was kind of acting out, and I just needed to take a couple steps back and make the best decision for me and my career. Yeah. And, you know, and that at the time, like you said, you weren't, you didn't feel like you were mature enough and ready, physically ready enough to be in the NBA. So, yeah. So it sounds like you made a, a great decision. Um, did you do any workouts? Yeah, I did a few workouts. Um, I went to San Antonio. I went to. Shoot, what was the other team? It was one other team. I'm trying to think. I, mean, I can't remember. I, I had like six or seven scheduled workouts. I went to two before the combine just uh-huh. to fall in and not be like back to back to back. Right. And then at the combine, I decided I'm not going anymore. And then right. uh, I canceled the rest of the workouts. But San Antonio, ah, oh, man, this is annoying me that I can't remember. Shoot <laughs> <laughs> the DM later. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, what is a what is a workout? So the the San Antonio workout, from what you can remember, what's that workout look like, and what was the feedback you were getting from the personnel there, or what were they telling you? Yeah. Uh, so they they get all your measurements. They do uh, some in the weight room, just see how you're moving. Then they do conditioning at the beginning of the workout for some reason. I think it's to get you winded. Then they go straight into playing. It's like they have six dudes there, uh, two guards, two wings, two bigs, and they mm-hmm. just match it. They do three on three, two on two, one on one, king of the court type stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then they do like they do set plays to see how you do with memorizing stuff on the fly. 
And then at the end, they do like a hundred shots, different movements, and all that. Just see how you shoot. Uh, and that's really it. It's a, it's a really quick workout, 45, 50 minutes. And then that night, you just go to dinner with the executives. I mean, they have hundreds of dudes coming to work out. So they only go to dinner with certain dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, me, I'm trying to remember his name. It was a big dude from Louisville that went to dinner with them. And they kind of just talked to us, try to get to know you. Similar to a combine interview, just, you know, more <laughs> and longer. Uh, and that was that. And then you fly to the next spot. So I didn't go through the whole process, obviously, but I got a little snippet of what it was like. Do they give you immediate feedback of those workouts? I, maybe it, may, it might depend on what team, uh, yeah. how the teams do it. But, like, will they give you feedback on, you know, I don't know, things they're looking for, things that they want you to work on, stuff like that? For sure they do. And they also talk a lot with your agent and the agent can get back to you. But uh, I, I forgot about this. Right after the workout, I went into, like, this conference room, and they were just drilling me with questions and wow. telling me what they wanted to see from me uh, and what they thought. They, like, prepare presentations um, of where you'd fit in. They show you plays from your highlights in college, oh, wow. ask play those are. And just, yeah, yeah it's pretty intense. But um, luckily, I was all – Every, every team I met was really cool dudes at the front office. So it was really easy for me, but, um, yeah. That's good. Do you generally meet the head coaches during the workout too, or are they just kind of watching on the side? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, especially with the Spurs because it's Popovich, but he was just like in the corner lurking, watching. I can see that. I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but most, usually the coaches are kind of, you know, interacting a bit. But he was just arms folded, sitting in the corner. Right. He's the, God, he's the godfather. Yeah. Over there. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, so coming to Memphis now. So, I, congrats again on the on the uh, multi-year deal you signed. Um, maybe talk about you, you know your time with Memphis so far. You talked a little bit about your rehab, I know. Um, but some of the some of the unique things about the team you like, some of the you know some of the players that you've gotten to at least you know in the limited time you've been there get to know or play with. Yeah, I think. It is like the perfect spot for me. I didn't know much about Memphis before signing here. My brother told me it wasn't like the coolest city or anything like that, which is probably right for NBA cities. But I think that's good for me. There's not much to do here. Uh, just focus on your craft, and that's right. been huge for me. So um, in terms of the team, as you're probably well, well aware of, it's all young dudes, all young yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's No egos at all. It's no, no entitlement. Um, the front office, the coaches, the staff, everybody's just, like, on the same page. And I think that's huge. Uh, it's great to have a LeBron James on your team, obviously, but it, it creates a dynamic that uh, sometimes can be jealousy and, you know, whatever, people wanting different things. But here is everyone just trying to create their little role, and I think that's been awesome. Everybody's been super nice, super welcoming, and uh, I, can't, I can't wait to, you know, carve out my own little space with this team. And you talked a little bit about like you, you guys have had some some Zoom meetings, some team meetings, just virtually. Um, have you have you been able to talk to many of the players like one on one on a regular basis? Just kind of give you like I don't know, maybe some players that have been there for a year or two, a couple of years, kind of just tell you how the program or how the organization runs, how the city is, things like that. Yeah, I was cool with a few of the players before this, anyways. So that's been really easy. Uh, we still talk a little bit outside of the you know, the hiatus going on right now. But mm-hmm. they've all said great things, especially about the medical and performance team, which is what I'm mainly working with right now. So they're supposedly some of the best in the league and uh, they're all coordinated and everything. So huh. all the players love it here. Um, like Jaron Jackson, that's my guy. We, Brandon Clark, 
Ja, he's been really cool, even though I had just met him. So, um, yeah, all around, I have nothing but good things to say. I'm really thankful they gave me this opportunity. It's just a blessing I got to sign, you know, right before this happened, because otherwise I'd still be, you know, probably at home doing nothing. Not, I don't know how to rehab myself, you know. So it, right, right. In here. So how did that? Um, you're talking about how you signed right before. How did that kind of come about? Because, you know, you got you tore your ACL in college, or right on October 21st, entering your your uh, sophomore year. Then you retore it again. Is that my, am I saying that right? You retore it, or you tore it twice? Yeah. Okay. So, so that was a little bit of a setback. And then obviously you enter the draft and you go undrafted. So, so I guess two parts to this question is like, how did it feel like you entered the, the draft knowing you weren't gonna you were gonna sit out for a little bit? How did how did that feel going undrafted? And then how did the Memphis deal kind of come about? Yeah, I knew there was a chance I'd get undrafted just because I declared after my first hair because I was still getting feedback. You could yeah. still be a first-round pick because I'd be healthy for this year. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and then I signed to the agent, got all the benefits and everything, which means you can't go back to school. Mm-hmm. After that, I tore it again. I was like, man, this sucks. I yeah. at that point. So I was kind of stuck in the draft. And at that point, I was like, okay, there's a chance. I mean, I'm either going to be really late second and get like an awful – deal or mm-hmm. get picked up after the draft so um it wasn't too shocking it wasn't like I was like gasping or anything after I went undrafted but I knew something would work out there's a few offers right after the draft I could have taken right. but none were favorable to me uh it was all just them in control and not paying too much not that it's all about economics again but right I just felt like I could have gotten more once I showed that I was getting healthy because everyone was kind of trying to lowball me just because you know, like we don't know if you're going to get healthy, whatever. So there's a few teams that asked for like monthly updates to see how I was doing just for videos and rehab and all that. Uh, Elton Brand, the 76ers, he came out to Denver to watch me do rehab in person. We okay. to, I thought a deal was going to get done with them. Um, and something happened with, like, roster spots and all that. And we were like, okay, well, we'll just look a little bit. And, like, the next day, Memphis called. And I was like, we're interested in having him come out here and work out. I was like, might as I didn't want to do it. I was like, let me just sign with whatever. But then uh, my agent was like, you should probably do this. They have a great, great thing going there. I was like, all right, I'll go. Um, I loved it. I had a good workout. And they called me back, like, two days later. I was like, let's get this thing done. They had to wait for a 10-day contract to expire. Right. But after that, I signed and then uh, came here for like three days and then came back and the league was paused. Right, right. Okay. Um, Man, we're only going to take up a couple more minutes of your time. Uh, Once again, we appreciate you taking time on a – what was today? Wednesday evening to kind of talk to, you know, a, a group of guys out in Seattle running a podcast. So we appreciate you taking the time. Uh, just a couple – couple more uh, quick questions I got for you. Um, who was the toughest player you've ever had to guard one-on-one? The guard. Um, probably Jamal Crawford, honestly. And I see that just because his moves, man, they're always so tricky. And we'd right. always have these open runs at UW. It'd be all the UW players, me, Mike, and Jamal. IT would come out, so – and whenever I, I would guard Jamal, I mean, he's just a shot maker. So it's pretty tough to guard. I feel like I can, I'm a pretty versatile defender, but for him, man, 
like he'll just get a shot off and he usually hits it. So I'd say him probably. Right. Okay. What was the uh what was the best win you had at, at Missouri? The best team win that you guys had? Uh probably at home against Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, yeah. you alluded to that. Okay. And then finally, what was your best game in college? The one that sticks out in your mind? Uh, I know you already talked about, you know, the one at Roosevelt, 30-piece, <laughs> which you're trying to say you didn't remember, so we, we got that. But how about in college? What's a game that you just remember vividly that you feel like it was your best? Uh, it was a game at Vandy that we needed to win, like, at the end of the year to make the tourney before the SEC tournament. I think I had, like – Shoot, I, I forget. It was in the 20s or something, but I was just – I might have missed, like, one shot, and everything was just – I didn't even shoot free throws. I was just strapping it, making good passes and all that. It was just a huge team win, and I felt like I did really good. The confidence is at an all-time high heading into the SEC tournament. I think that's when, that's really when I realized, like, I can, I, I can do more for this team. I right. had that. So that was definitely the best game in terms of my confidence building. Okay. Um. That's pretty much it. That's everything. Uh, guys, do you have anything? Sano, Chuck, Bruce, do you guys have anything else? Uh, I was going to ask. Uh, you probably remember my young gun at Nathan Hale. You remember my guy, John Hart? Yeah. John yeah, that's my dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he, uh, to be a player. Dude, he just got first team all Metro. Really? No, first I, team all Metro. So I he's knew got he was going to be good. Yeah. Washington State was looking at him and a couple other schools. You probably remember my guy also coaching with Nathan Hale, uh, Coach Nickens, Javon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been playing with Javon for years, man. Javon, oh. man. So I'm sure he was the yellow. He was probably the yellow in school. Yeah, he was the stern one for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's Javon for you, for sure. Uh, he's great, though. Tell him I said what's up. I will, I will. All right, cool. Yep. Man, I appreciate you guys again for having me. This is yeah, fun. Yeah, man. Jonte, man. Jonte Porter. Thank you. Uh, our first NBA player that BTST has interviewed, uh, Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, man, we can't thank you enough. Um, to our fans, thank you again for your love and support. Please take the time to follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube because, man, we're doing big things. And, you know, hopefully it's only going to get better. So, we appreciate the love and support. Jonte, thank you again. We appreciate it, man. Much appreciated. Yeah, no problem. Thank, thank you. you all. All right. Dude, good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. If the Grizzlies tell you that the, the people bought some uh, Jonte Porter jerseys in Seattle, you know who it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fellas. I'll see all right. you all. Signing off. All right.